I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Total disaster. That is what we are witnessing take place in this country right now because of -of out-of-control government spending, inflation, and people that are just stopping, even looking for a job. Now, there are numbers out that are telling us just how bad things are. And I want you to understand exactly what the left will tell you and what Democrats are going to say to make this sound better. All right. Now, before I get into all these details about what's happening in the economy, these shocking job numbers, in a moment, I want to give you a heads up. We're going to be joined by former presidential candidate, former Senator Rick Santorum, because he has now put together a incredible agenda to actually rein in Congress. And Congress, if we decide to do this at the state level, cannot stop us. This is how we stop the insane government spending of the Republicans as much as the Democrats are doing right now, trying to bankrupt this country. So make sure that you share this podcast right now with your family and friends. Hit that little forward button and share it on social media because you're going to want to hear this game plan uh, that Rick Santorum is focused on right now. It's something that my good friend Mark Levin has also been talking about. And it's a way to use the Constitution, Article 5, for us to actually, well, fight back in an incredible way. And he's going to give us the blueprint for this. You're going to want to take notes coming up in a moment. He will join us. But before we do that, I've got to get these updates for you on where we are with this economy. The U.S. economy added just 210,000 jobs in November. Now, this is normally a month that the number of people that are hired skyrockets because you need employment for the holidays how bad did this miss expectations by more than 300,000 jobs how bad is Biden inflation let me give you this number surging fuel prices are now hurting poor Americans more than anybody else which we knew was going to happen all because the Biden administration deliberately and purposely decided that we were going to arbitrarily make the price of gas and oil go up so that people would be forced into submission to buy electric cars and get on the kumbaya bandwagon of global warming. Therefore, we've seen a surge in fuel prices. They undid everything Trump did to give us independence, energy independence from the rest of the world. And now the terrorists in the Middle East are making more money than they know what to do with. So they're going to fund terrorism, just so you know. 
Now, across the U.S. over the past year, these fuel prices have skyrocketed. Who is that hurting? It is hitting the poorest Americans the most. The majority of those people actually voted for Joe Biden. These new report that came out and was published today, the Financial Times set out price rises and they set them out and that have hit the country's biggest parts of the economy. And where? It's the drivers. It's everyday motorists. It's forcing many to overhaul the way they work or ditch their jobs entirely because they can't afford to get from point A to point B. This is also hurting companies like Uber and Lyft, the two biggest ride-sharing apps out there. And now they're even trying to ease the burden by encouraging a switch to electric vehicles for their drivers. Now, notice, this is exactly what the left wants you to do. It's the same exact thing they're doing with COVID-19. You're going to submit to the way that we're telling you you must live your life. And if you don't, you will become an outcast. We are going to have two different classes of citizenship in America. Those that agree with the tyrants and those that don't. So this is no different than their game plan that they're using with COVID-19. You're going to get the vaccine. You're going to get triple vax, quadruple vax. You're going to do whatever we tell you to do. You're going to wear a mask, even if we, even if you're triple vax, because we're totally in control and we're tyrants over you. That's exactly what Fauci's doing. It is no different than their energy policy. You know, you have an energy secretary that didn't even know what the consumption of American barrels of oil were per day. That's a pretty normal number that you would know if you're the energy secretary. Now, the question is, why did the energy secretary not know this two weeks ago? Because she doesn't care, because her job is not to actually have energy independence or low gas prices or or to help the American consumer. Her job is to implement what you just heard from Uber and Lyft, which they're implementing from the federal government. They're trying to tell their people that are driving their cars, hey, you need to switch to an electric vehicle. Financial Times says many drivers are frustrated as the prices are weighing particularly on the bottom end of the income scale. Drivers seem to be driving less, said Melissa Berry, editor of the Rideshare Guy, an industry blog. Well, that's exactly what Democrats want, right? They want you to drive less because they're trying to save the environment, they claim, which means they have to dictate to you how you live your life and force you into changes. I want to go back to when you had Barack Obama in office and he stopped the Keystone Pipeline. You had an energy secretary then who actually said on the record at one point, we America must do what Europe has done and we must make a gallon of gas as high as it is in Europe to force people into submission. So they'll start taking public transportation, ride sharing and electric vehicles. Now, when that was said back in 2008, 2009, 2010, whenever that was all right, early first first part of. Uh, Obama's presidency, the the price of gas per gallon in America was like 240, 230 a gallon. And people were getting mad. The price of a gallon of gas in Europe was like seven to eight dollars because they sell in liters. So a couple several liters to make a gallon, you get the point. And their price per gallon over there was like eight plus dollars. And that was back in 08, 09. So imagine now what they want gas prices to get to so that you'll be forced to do what Uber and Lyft is telling their clients, right, or their their workers to do. Go get you an electric vehicle, suck it up. Now, the fact that Melissa Berry, the editor of Rideshare Guy, says drivers seem to be driving less, that should tell you something as well. It's working. What the left's wanting to do is it's working. This change in the way the gig economy works in response to fuel prices, quote, has no doubt exacerbated the driver shortage that Uber and Lyft have been periodically finding themselves in. Did you know recently Uber and Lyft are having problems finding people to drive cars? Why? Because of gas prices. 
The price posts at corner gas stations is killing the ride-sharing business. They're fine with this. They want you to travel less. They want you to ride in fewer cars. And they want to control every aspect of your life. Now, retreat in the oil market over the past week may bring down retail petrol prices some. But so far, drivers have yet to see that price drop be actually past them at the pump. It takes a week or two to get through the system. Now, to cover extra fuel costs, many gig drivers have adopted, adapted with changes, including rejecting more customers who are far away. Others are just quitting altogether. Quote, some drivers have been decreasing the amount of hours that they do. Some drivers have gone looking for other jobs. That's what Beth Griffin, a former Uber and Lyft driver who heads the Boston Independent Drivers Guild, said. An online poll conducted this week by the Rideshare Guy found 91% of rideshare drivers worry about petrol prices and about half of drivers were driving less. Again, mission accomplished. This is, this is music to your ears if you're a tyrant in the Biden administration. In fact, 12% affirm they stopped driving entirely as a result of the high gas prices. Again, this is exactly what the left wants. They are going to celebrate this. This is good news. Now, let's go back to the economy here. ABC News had it this way when they were talking about the American public being forced to try to figure out ways to not only save money right now, but also the rising prices at the pump. From the supermarket to retail stores and the stops at the gas pump in between, Americans are keenly aware of rising prices. What's currently driving a lot of the increase now are things you've probably been hearing a lot about. Supply chain glitches, lack of available truckers to deliver goods and services, and a shortage of workers to produce a lot of those goods and services. There it is, right? A lot of goods and services. In other words, the economy is going to crap and everybody knows it. And all of this directly connects back to the president. Now, Bloomberg said the job numbers are a real surprise, only half of what we actually anticipated. And the reason why is because there are a lot of people that said, screw it, I'm just going to stay on the government dime indefinitely. It's too expensive to try to get a job, too expensive to get there, too expensive to drive there, can't afford it. So you just keep sending me free money from the taxpayers. The uh, change in non-farm payrolls comes in only half the level we anticipated, 210000 That's a real surprise, and that is going to cause some head-scratching at the Fed. What do we do about that? i tell you exactly what the head-scratching is at the Fed. They're saying, holy crap, people are just saying, we're not working anymore. Wall Street Journal reporter on MSNBC this morning put it this way. What's your gut uh, first reaction to the jobs number? Well, this this is a miss. You know, it's uh, economists, as you said, we're expecting around 573,000 jobs. We got significantly less than that. I think what you're seeing here is what economists have been talking about throughout the entire pandemic, which is that, you know, the trajectory of the economy is really going to depend on the trajectory of the virus and how people are responding to that. Now, this is where I have to call BS. This is the bailout that the media is going to keep using. If the economy is bad for Joe Biden, it's really because, okay, <laughs> it's really because, quote, the pandemic. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki was on set on MSNBC this morning, and they asked her about the job numbers. She didn't want to talk about it, so she deflected by saying this. Jobs number just crossed. 210 jobs just added. So... 210,000. Um, so if we look at that breaking news right now, that's a number that feels a little, what, a little off? Well, 
I, I know this sounds a little archaic, but I can't comment on them until 930 uh, okay. by, by rules because I work okay. at the White House. <laughs> yeah, but there you go. And they all laugh. They all laugh. I can't comment on that till 930, even though we know exactly what the numbers are. Really? So do the American people know what's going on right now? Yes. And don't blame it on COVID. You can't blame this on COVID. CNBC Santelli said the American public knows what's going on. It's Bidenflation. Don't blame this on COVID. You've made and done things, policies that have made prices skyrocket. You did this. This has nothing to do with COVID because gas prices were low with COVID when Trump was the president. The American public knows. They know what's going on. You know, how many times a week or a month do you fill your car up? You know. How many times do you get the bill uh, for your kid's uh, school, whether it's private or college? You know. Uh, these prices. I just had a furnace go out. I was shocked. I was shocked at how much some of this stuff has gone up in the last couple of years. This is a multimillionaire on CNBC saying he's shocked at how bad prices have gotten, how much stuff has gone up in the last couple of years. That should tell you everything you want to, you, you need to know. And people aren't buying this. You can't blame COVID forever for everything. When you're the president of the United States of America, and by the way, when you ran, you actually said, you actually said that you were going to fix it all. Ron Brownstein at CNN said, quote, inflation is a very clear and present danger for all Democrats now. I hope so. I hope people get their heads out of the rear end and realize just how bad things are. So the question now becomes, what do we do in states to fight back? How do we fight back against this insane spending that's going on? We had another stopgap bill filled with pork barrel spending that took place where we won't have a government shutdown. And there's tons of crap in there that have nothing to do with anything that's going to benefit you or me. Pork barrel spending. They're whoring out. The government right now is being whored out by these old men in the Republican and the Democratic side who say, I'm not going to have to pay for this disaster. I'll be dead when hell comes and when there's hell to pay for all of this. And they're just spending money because they know they'll be dead before they have to pay it back. How do we stop them? I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of us. We're figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it it would have been been juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. 
More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Joining me to talk about this, like I said, is former U.S. Senator and former presidential candidate Rick Santorum. Senator, uh, we were talking this week a conversation that was uh, started very organically about what's going on at the Supreme Court and with abortion and what looks to be a significant victory for protecting life. And I literally said to you, I was like, all right, tell me everything you're doing now. And you said, I'm working on something and I'm working hard because I think there's a real chance that we can have victories when it comes to states being able to fight back against the government in D.C. and the extreme overreaches taking place. And you actually said we're very close. I said, all right, hold on. I got to get you on the podcast because I wanted to talk to you about how this is working. So if you'll lay it out and I say this to everybody listening, number one, share this. If you get to hear this, share it. Okay, share it with your family, share it with your friends, grab a pencil and paper and start taking notes right now because you're going to want to. Otherwise, you're going to go, oh, my gosh, I missed that. And the good news is you can rewind and go back in the podcast and listen again. But make sure you share this. So so how did you even get involved and how did this get started? With what you're doing now? Well, uh, first off, thanks, Ben. Thanks for the opportunity. And uh, yeah, I'm excited about this because uh, I think that. Everyone knows that Washington is broken. Everyone knows that it has accumulated power. It is, it is the, the foundational uh, structure of our government has been shifted over the past really 100 years uh, by the Supreme Court, who has basically reinterpreted, as we see in Roe versus Wade, reinterpreted the Constitution to mean whatever it wants, and in so doing, has dramatically expanded the power of the federal government. You know, the Commerce Clause, for example, now means the federal government can basically do anything. And that's not the way our country was set up. That's not what made our country great. It's not how our federal, uh, our federal system of government was, uh, was designed to work and has worked so well. And it's the reason we see the division in our country, because the federal government is now trying to make every American from someone living in rural Montana to someone living in New York City play by the same rules. You got everything has to be the same. Everything's guided out of Washington. And our founders understood that people living in different places with different values, if we were going to live together, we had to have the freedom to live our lives the way we want to live it as much, you know, within within certain broad structures, but to give flexibility between the states and be, between localities, you know, for differences and, and that we could have certain shared values that unite us, but there would be other things that wouldn't. And that's why, for example, you see people moving from California to Texas or moving from New York to Florida, because they 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 understand that there are differences 
But the federal government, the left, the progressives, over time have tried to minimize those differences and impose their values on the country. And so when people come to me and say, you know, what can we do about it? I say, well, you know, we need structural reform. You, we can't just, you know, expect Washington and Congress when we happen to get power maybe again someday to fix it. Because, you know what, every time we've gotten power, we haven't fixed. You know, Ronald Reagan was a great president. We had majorities in the House and Senate. We didn't fix it. You know, we, George W. Bush, same thing, had majorities. We didn't fix it. Donald Trump, we didn't fix it. It. And, and when you talk about fixing it, we're talking about basic things. Like, for example, Republicans have run. You, you've seen this when you were running. Repeal Obamacare. Uh, we're, right, repeal Obamacare. We don't do it. Or they say things like, we need a balanced budget amendment. And they yeah. never do it when they have the opportunity to do it. And now look at where our deficit is. Exactly. And, and look at where the concentration of power is. It's now almost all in the executive. The Congress is feckless. They can't do anything. And the courts simply, you know, step aside and let frankly, now both parties sort of get away with, with doing whatever they want out of the, out of the presidency. And, I, and here's why I came to this moment. Is when I, and, I, and look, I supported every, almost everything Donald Trump did. I mean, there are a couple of minor things, but by and large, I thought he did a great job. But a lot of what he did, he did out of the executive orders and rules and things. And, and, and we cheered along and said, yeah, you know, let's do it. Let's stick it to them. And we said, well, wait a minute. You know, the Constitution doesn't allow them to do some of this, these things. And, and we're now of the, of, have, have gone, I think, almost as bad as the other side, which is if we get power, we're going to force our agenda and we're going to ignore the Constitution and let the president do everything. That's just not, that's just not a good idea. And, and so well, and, and it also uh, it, precedent, as you know, is everything. If you do something, then the yeah. other side feels validated in doing it again. And then you, you fast exactly. forward 10 years and it's totally out of control. It's the same conversation that we were having about court packing recently, where people are like, well, fine, if they pack the court referring to Biden, yeah, then we'll, we'll just pack the court back again. And then before Wrong. you know it, we got 50 <laughs> Supreme Court justices. Yeah, wrong. And and so so the question is structural reform. How do we do it? And 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 here's the here's the great thing to the constitutionalists out there, people who love our Constitution. The Constitution provides a way for us to fix this. And people say, oh, I love the Constitution. I love, you know, the Second Amendment, the First Amendment. Uh, Well, you also should love Article five. Because Article 5 was in the original Constitution. It's not an amendment. It's part of the original Constitution. And it's a, it's a provision that says, here's how we can amend the Constitution going forward. And, and, and there's two ways. One is the way it's always been done. Which and and the by the way, let me hit pause there real quick, because you may have heard a lot about Article 5 if you listen to our good friend Mark Levin. He has been talking about this yeah. for, a, a, for, I would say, decades and there are so many people in politics that said, no, 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 no I'm not going to have to waste my time legally and waste my time with with with, you know, Article five. I'm just going to win an election, get elected and then and then basically do nothing, which is what you were just yeah. referencing. And the and, yep. and the reason why Article five, I think now is so important that people are paying attention to it is that we're starting to see that the only way conservatives are winning on government overreach when it comes to covid-19 and, and these mandates and, and forcing people to get a, a vaccine to keep their job and to do certain things. And, we, and I call it COVID racism. We are witnessing with this administration yeah. COVID racism where they're trying to make two set different sectors of society, two different classes of citizens. And the only way that we're winning right now is through actually fighting in the legal system 
with the Constitution, which goes back to the point that I think you're about to make, which is forget screwing around in essence with politics for a moment. We can totally fundamentally get the game changed back to what it was supposed to be. We're not we're not changing something moving forward. We're just going back to what our founders wanted and the abuses that have happened over the last decade after decade after decade, getting away from the Constitution by by specifically focusing on Article five. Yeah, using the constitutional remedy that the founders put in place to fix what they thought was going to happen someday. And and the, I mentioned the first way to amend the Constitution was for Congress to do it. But they realized that at some point the federal government was going to get out of control and that because it happens in every, in every society. There's a concentration of power. People who are in power seek more power. And that's what's happened. And so we, they provided a second mechanism, and that's for the state legislatures – to amend, to propose a convention of the states to uh, to to uh, propose amendments to be sent to the states for ratification. So let me just sort, sort of walk that back. So the provision in the Constitution says that if two thirds of the states, in this case, 34 states legislatures, governors have nothing to do with this. If the legislatures in 34 states pass a resolution that all of them are the same, so it's the same resolution, pass a resolution to call for a convention of the states, uh, then automatically it is called. Congress has to certify it, but uh, the 34 states did it, but they have no role in it other than that. So 34 states uh, have to pass it. Now, what is the convention of the states re- resolution we're proposing? We're proposing three things, that there, there'd be a convention held for, with all 50 states participating. And by the way, the, the, the states participating would be appointed by the state legislature. Every state gets one vote. So California doesn't get any more votes than Alaska. Every state gets one vote. And the and the purpose of the convention is to propose amendments that cover three areas. Number one, and I think this is the most important, to limit the power of the federal government. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. 
of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Rick, I want to go back to what you were saying a moment ago. I want to go over these three different ways that we can use Article 5 that you just started in. Let's start all over. Article 5, what are the three things that, we, that you're trying to accomplish to actually get this done? So the resolution that we are asking state legislatures to adopt, and 15 states have adopted them so far. Uh, we need 34. But the, the resolution calls for three types of amendments that will be in order. In other words, be able to be proposed at the, at the convention of the states that will be called if we get 34 states to pass this resolution. One is to limit the power of the federal government. I think it's the most important because what it says is that uh, we can pass amendments that return the power to the states and to the people that has been now usurped by the federal government. For example, education. It is very clear from the Constitution that education is a state and local function. But the federal government, through the, through, you know, the Commerce Clause or whatever clause the Supreme Court figured out, decided, nope, we can let the federal government legislate and mandate and tell everybody how to run their schools. We can pass an amendment or propose an amendment that the states could ratify that says the federal government should spend no money on primary and secondary education or can spend no money on higher education. Think of what, what, how, how, how higher education has been corrupted because the federal government just funnels billions and billions of dollars in there uh, to and, and to to prop up what is the the bulwark, the think tank for the left wing in the, in the United States of America. So that's one example. But it, there's a whole host of other areas where the federal government has intruded on state and local authority and on individual rights that you could propose amendments to limit that authority. So that's number one. Number two, and this is one that's been around for a long time, to limit the spending power of Washington. In other words, a balanced All right, so I, I really I really want to dive into that for a second, because number two yeah. you, is, is I think actually for my kids future and the and the future of this country. Uh, and we're just seeing that you have I'm being honest, it's a it's a uh, joke. Basically, they're saying we'll do whatever the hell we want to do and spend as much money as we want to spend to stay in power. And because we don't have to pay for this because we're going to die before the you know what hits the fan. Yeah. The, the, the fact that we've gone from spending billions to hundreds of billions to now trillions of dollars in money that we don't have, paying hundreds of billions of dollars in debt on the debt that we're borrowing and giving yep. places like China the power over us because of our debt load should scare the hell out of everybody. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem to, uh, Rick, because the word trillion, it is impossible to get your head around how much Nobody money understand. that actually is. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so this provides an opportunity to put a balanced budget amendment before the states, 
are uh, tax limitation amendments, so, you know, only uh, certain levels of taxation, spending limitations. So any type of amendment that would, would constrain the, the, the spending of the federal government would be in order to be proposed uh, for ratification to the states. And the third is a term limit amendment. Now, most of the term limit amendments you heard of is a term limits on members of Congress. I, I'm somewhat ambivalent about that. I, there's some good sides and bad sides of it. But this is not just term limits of members of Congress. It's term limits of all federal officials. So what does that mean? That means potentially justices of the Supreme Court or judges. And it also means the deep state. You can actually we can actually propose amendments that actually could limit the amount of uh, of, of tenure of the deputy assistant secretary of state or or, you know, somebody somebody deep within the bowels that we know has been there and will be there, you know, for 10 presidents and doesn't pay any attention to what the president wants, does what they want to do and, and has their own agenda. And so having the ability to, to attack the deep state by limiting terms of executive branch officers, not just uh, Congress and, and, and judges, I think is a very important part of, of reforming Washington, D.C. You, so you, you mentioned, you mentioned these things and, and, and let's just look yeah. at applying them today. You know, the House Republicans are divided on the purpose of a vaccination database bill. Um, and, and, and the question was asked, which is it? Burgess asked this. Will this ensure that information remains confidential and kept private? Mm-hmm. Many believe this is a complete government overreach. It's a violation of, uh, you know, of your medical records by the federal government. This is a perfect example of what you could rein in if we accomplish what you're talking about. Same thing with the Senate Republicans just caved to help pass a, a, a you know, the stopgap funding to avoid a government shutdown, which is just filled with insane amounts of spending. I mean, we're, we're, yep. it grants seven billion in funding for the resettlement of Afghan refugees, for example. But money's not going directly to Americans and citizens that were hurt because of the covid lockdowns. It makes no sense. Well, I mean, all of these things, I mean, obviously, you've got a lot of current issues, but, the, you know, what this will get at is just limiting the power, the scope and the and the concentration of power in individuals in Washington. All of these are problems that are reflected by some of the examples that you're giving right now. So those are the three things that that this resolution would call for. And uh, again, the process, how how that would work is. We get 34 states. You say, wow, 34 states. You only have 15. You have 19 states to go. Here's, here's the interesting thing that most people don't realize. 31 of the 50 state legislatures are now controlled by Republicans. And two states are divided. Minnesota and, and Virginia have one House Republican, one House Democrat, which we have very confident, given the 22, uh, 2022 elections coming up in the 2023, in the case of Virginia, uh, we have a lot of confidence that we're going to flip both of those states. So we'll be at 33. We'll be one state short of the 34 we need. And we have several, several states everywhere from Washington to Maine. Uh, those are two of them that we if we could flip one of about four or five states that are actually fairly close right now, closely divided in an election year, which looks to be a landslide type of election for Republicans. We can get to 34 or 35 states. And now, all of a sudden, if every Republican legislator in those states votes to support this, and by the way, every progressive group is vehemently against this. George Soros, vehemently against it. Every left-wing group is against it. Every conservative group is for this. So there's no reason for any Republican, moderate to conservative, 
not to support restoring federalism, not to support limiting the power of the federal government over over the individuals and try to conform, make everybody conform to what Washington believes is best for everybody. So if we can get to 34, which I think we can either next year or the year after, then all of a sudden the safety on the gun is off and we can fire and 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 get this thing uh, uh, done, not 10 years from now, but in a year or two, we can actually get a convention of the states called under these under this resolution that allows for these types of amendments, have a have a convention and let's have a real great national debate as to what we want for the future of our country uh, to be uh, to the power to be invested in Washington and the power to be invested in states, localities, and individuals. All right, let me play pessimist here because I just don't trust Republicans for good reasons uh, that are in power. Why would somebody in the legislature in these states, uh, and ha- why w- what would be their logic or their reasoning for fighting against this? Because you know there's Republicans, they have either they have, you know, the dream of serving in Congress where they wouldn't want to be, quote, term-limited or not be able to do their pork barrel spending to hook up their buddies. I mean, Republicans suck just as much as Democrats do many times. I know hardcore conservatives are in favor of this, but but you know there's going to be some pushback. So what are their arguments going to be, and how do we prepare for those on the front end? Yeah, the arguments that, that I've heard so far against them is, uh, actually, it's interesting. Almost all the arguments that are used are arguments that were put forward in a in a law review article opposing this uh, this uh, uh, convention of the states, uh, I think about 20 years, I think it was a, maybe it was 10 years ago, uh, that was put together by, and, and you see these arguments, and I, and I pull out this law review article and say, oh, by the way, you know who made this argument initially? Larry Tribe. Now, you know who Larry Tribe is. Lawrence Tribe is a, is an, is a progressive law professor who's, who's been one of the great, you know, uh, you know, thorns in the sides of, of, of conservatives for, for probably 40 years. And so every argument are the arguments the left makes about it, and for some reason we adopt them. The other person who's come out and did, and did a long uh, treatise on this was, believe it or not, Justice Warren Berger. Now, most of the people who you, you are listening to this show don't know who Justice Warren Berger is, but Justice Warren Berger was the chief justice of the Supreme Court and, was, and voted with the majority in Roe versus Wade. And so this, this is who conservatives are using to say, oh, look at what these people say could happen. And the, and, and the reality is that the things that they're saying, one is that, oh, well, once, it get, once the convention is called, all these, we're opening up everything, the constant, the, 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 you know, we could have a runaway convention and all these terrible ideas could be put forward. Well, number one, that the, there's law, it's called you know, the Article 5, has court cases and history, both as states and even before that when we were colonies, how conventions of states operate. And they are operated under the rules of the resolution that calls it. And so these are all three of the uh, uh, points that I talked about before limit the power of the federal government. So no amendment that expands the power of the federal government would be in order, number one. But even if, let's say, a convention called, by the way, when 34 states are controlled by Republicans, and those 34 states are appointing delegates to that convention. So again, I mean, you've got a supermajority of Republican legislators who are going to be the delegates at this convention. But assuming they, you know, go crazy and they, you know, they, you know disseminate drugs there and something crazy happens and they ignore the law 
of, of, the, of Article 5 and they pass some crazy amendment, it still has to go to the states and be ratified by 38 state legislatures. Again, 34 of which are controlled by Republicans. So the idea that this is going to be a runaway convention is just folly. I mean, the, the, the reality is that there is an appetite in this country to constrain the power of the federal government, and we are providing the only mechanism that could, in fact, do that. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And Rick, you go through this game plan uh, of how to take back our power from a state's perspective, take away power from the executive, take away power from Washington, uh, be able to do things like get our country spending under control. And there's two questions. One, no matter where you're listening right now, what do you need to do now? How do you get this playbook? Where do you get the, the guidance that you're describing Let's let's deal with that one first. And I want to deal with the how okay. do you fight back against Republicans are probably going to do everything they can to try to screw this up. Go ahead first with yeah. how do we so, find out more? How do we get more information? How do we start working on this? Uh, it's called convention of states dot com. That's the that's the website. You go to convention dot com or yeah, we're also on Facebook, your Rumble, LinkedIn, everybody. I mean, all these all the social media sites were on. So it's convention of states dot com. 
and you can you can sign up to volunteer. There's all sorts of information. You can dig into all of the great details, get all the questions answered that uh, that that you're going to be confronted with by folks who are skeptics. Look, you know, I was a, I was a congressman. I was a senator. Lots of people brought really big, great ideas. And, and the initial thing, if it's a big idea, I'm really skeptical that it has any chance of passing. Uh, but I think we're in a unique moment in history right now. We're in a unique moment where we have it's a really interesting thing, even though the country is very deeply divided. When it comes to state legislatures, Republicans are actually in, uh, approaching supermajority control, which means we can do things that, you know, our, our Constitution was set up for supermajorities to make make decisions. But we're actually in a position where because we we have on the precipice of being a supermajority to actually start this process. And so what what that means is people have to get, you know go to convention sign up and get active in your state. Every state, there are 15 states that pass it, but even those states are active. Why? Because the people in Texas, for example, which has already passed this, or Florida, which has already passed this, actually make calls into the states that have it and do work that help uh, help the other states that are in the process of passing it, like Wisconsin, which we expect to vote in January or February. Uh, North Carolina, another state that's passed one house, is waiting for the other house to pass. Iowa, uh, another state. Pennsylvania. Uh, I can go down the list. I mean, there's there's a lot of states that right now that one house has passed or both are considering very seriously of, of doing something that that is Nebraska. Another one in this case, it's great because there's only one house in Nebraska. So there's no there's not two bodies. There's only one. And so th- uh, those are the states that are, uh, I guess, teed up for next year uh, so <clears throat> we can get a few more states you know, in line uh, be- before the 2022 elections. And then the second thing is. Uh, you can get involved politically. Uh, we're going to be working hard in a handful of states to flip state legislatures so we can get in we can get in a position to uh, to get to that 34 uh, in the next couple of years. Wow. All right. So there's a real chance of this. That's part of the reason why you're spending and by so the much way, time. There, yeah, there are five. We, the Convention of the States has five million people, five million people who have who have who support this cause. And literally, we have volunteers who are designated, who are captains in every state legislative district in America. Everyone. We have people who are working in, the, in those areas. So this is a – I was surprised at the length – at the strength of this organization. There's like 50-some paid full- and part-time people in, in the organization. We're all over the place. Every single day in America – and I'm not exaggerating this – every single day in America we're doing an event. I mean, this is this is a this this is the conservative grassroots, premier grassroots conservative organization in the country. They are they are on fire because they see the potential of this. They they have a lot of people, as I think you and I and I and I was one of them who was feeling somewhat hopeless that we could ever steer this ship and turn it around. And this is the mechanism to do it. And look, I'm as skeptical as anybody you'll find in politics about these things. But to me, this I see a path. All right. Now, you know, the question I'm going to ask you, Republicans in Congress are going to probably fight this and tell you every reason why you shouldn't support That's it, correct. mainly not, because not, not, they're going to be it, terrified the old, that they're going to lose their jobs yeah, over this. Exactly. It's the it's the old bulls. It's it's the folks who've been around a long, long time uh, who who think this, you know, we can't let those states, <laughs> you know, tell us, you know, what we can and can't do. This is a threat to, to Washington. I mean, this. This is a serious threat, and I can tell you that there are folks in Washington, and certainly on the Democratic side, all of them, but even some on the Republican side who are – because I, I was just at uh, ALEC, which is the American Legislative Exchange Council, which is the conservative state legislature's uh, you know, national group 
Uh, and so I just met yesterday in San Diego with uh, with hundreds of state legislators. And, you know, several of them walked in and said, you know, my senator doesn't support this. I said, yeah, gee, I'm not surprised. <laughs> and it's a Republican senator. Uh, and, 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 and I said, well, where are you? So I disagree with him. I said, well, great. I said, you know, uh, you know, it, and it's not just because of term limits. Uh, it's, it's because of power. It's because they want to be able to spend. They want to be able to, to get involved in every aspect of your life, even as Republicans. That's the sad part. We've sort of we've sort of lost our bearings in Washington, D.C., and that's why the founders gave the authority of the states, people closer to the people, to, to make this decision and to curb this power. It's incredible. Uh, Senator, lastly, uh, again, one more time, if people want to go to the website, they want to get involved, they want to do this in their state, where do they go? Conventionofstates.com is the website. You can go sign up. Uh, let me assure you, one, one of the things I will guarantee you, we will be in touch. I mean, they are real. They, this the, the the team is terrific. It's it's large and it's growing. And uh, you know, one of the one of the things that's great about this is that people see a path now. There's a runway to get this done, and there's just a tremendous amount of excitement right now. We're being, frankly, we're doing we're we're being very successful in raising money right now, and and we're building the organization out. So so join, be a part of. And by the way, the great thing about this organization is we just don't do convention in the states particularly in states that have already passed it. These are the these people, these these folks who are out there in the grassroots are the ones who are involved in the school board elections that fights transgender policies and CRT. They're the ones who are out there, you know, working uh, in Virginia. We had literally hundreds of people here in Virginia for to not just to help Glenn Youngkin get elected, but to win the delegate races. We, we, we picked up the House of Delegates here in Virginia and, and convention of the states. Not not the nonprofit side, but we have a political arm that 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 did a lot of the work that helped that help that be a, become a reality. Uh, it's great work. We'll have you back, I'm sure, very soon with updates. Uh, former Senator Rick Santorum, former presidential candidate. Thank you, sir. Always a pleasure to chat with you. and We'll do it again soon. My pleasure. Friend. God bless. All right. We'll take a break. We'll come back. I'll get some of your reaction to this. Anything that you just heard that if you missed anything. Uh, or you want to share this with others, it will be in our podcast up tomorrow. So make sure you grab our podcast and you can share it that way uh, easily. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. 
have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 